Well, if you've been reading along with our uh, our uh, Bible readings that uh, are posted on the web page and the prayer page and in the back of the Bible that you have, uh, you were in uh, Joshua this week. It seems like as much as I try not to, because I want to be uh, a pastor that tries to speak to everybody from little kids to senior adults, as much as I'd like to do that, it, it seems to me that we lock in a lot of times where we're at. Have you noticed that? Uh, I have done uh, Growing Kids God's Way. I don't know how many times through the years Lori and I have been through the course. And it was new and fresh every time. The first time we had preschoolers. And so we were listening to the course through the eyes of what it was to be a parent of preschoolers. And then something happened. They all grew. And they were in those childhood stages with one that was uh, uh, an early teenager. So we were listening different. Now all of a sudden you have four girls that are teenagers. You listen differently again. Everything changes as you just kind of progress through life. You see it differently. And then you have children that are out there and they're married. And then all of a sudden you're looking at 13 grandkids and you're going, okay, um, you know, I can't help but see life from this perspective. I've read Joshua a lot of times, but I don't think I ever read it quite the way I did this week. From the perspective of an old man, all right? The grandpa that has a bunch of kids and a minister that's fixing to retire in March, okay? So when you put all that together, you're going to read it differently. Now, I'm going to share with you kind of how I read it, but I also don't want to leave you youngins out, all right? So I'm going to try to go back and make some application there. You may have to read between the lines too. And the older I get, the harder it is to remember how it was when I was your age, so you may have to cut me some slack, all right? But it, uh, at any rate, uh, hopefully I don't just get locked into to where I'm at and, and can't see the forest for the trees sometimes. But on the other side of the coin is, you really do see some things you've never seen before. And you understand things in a way you haven't before just because you've been through all of those stages and finally got to a place where you could see something that I never could have when I was Shalisa's age. It just wouldn't have happened. So let's jump into this and uh, see what is going on here. There's some change taking place, isn't there? There's a big change in leadership in that first chapter of Josiah, or, uh, Joshua. Uh, Josiah. First chapter of Joshua. Moses is going and Joshua's coming. Is there any difference in those guys? That's a pretty substantial change in leadership as, as I think about what that leadership would look like. And I think about Joshua, what it would be to follow Joshua. Fortunately, I set the bar pretty low here, you know, so you ought to be able to, to move on and march up with, with ease, you know. But I'm thinking, what would it be to follow Moses? Wow. I mean, he gets, he gets accolades for being an extremely hum humble man, right? And he, he seems to fulfill a role that, that looks very priestly in the life of the people. And you read passages like this in Exodus 33 and 11. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How would you like to follow that guy? Numbers 12, 6. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. 
With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Okay. My wife, she's got a little phrase she loves to use on me. You know, those Sunday mornings where you don't want to go to church and you wouldn't if you weren't the preacher, you know. You, uh, you ever have any of those? No, you don't. And she'll look at me and she'll say, cowboy up. I think that's probably from the days way back there, you know, when that's what they would say is you're, you're getting into the pins and the cowboy up and shoot number whatever, you know. And she's sort of done that from the college days, I guess, so... This is one of those cowboy up moments, you know. Moses is fixing to walk off the picture and God looks at you and says, cowboy up. Man, that's a big bull. <laughs> those are big shoes to fill, aren't they? Oh, my. I look at this and I think, poor old Joshua. But then look, if you, if you step into that first chapter, you're going to see that Joshua had all he needed. He was promised here. Uh, well, first of all, the thing starts out. Listen, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, um, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun. Hey, he's talking to Joshua too. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them. And I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? Every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittites, Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Are you getting some promises here? Now, if you were following Moses and God showed up and he told you something like this, would you say, oh, Lord, no, I can't do this? I mean, Joshua, he's, he's the man for the job. And God says to him, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from them to the left or to the right. That you may be successful in whatever you do. Go or uh, do not let this book of the law depart from your uh, mouth and meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. Moses was the man for the hour when he needed to be. Moses was, I see, more of a kind of a priestly guy. Moses' main issue was trying to get the heads of the people of Israel out of Egypt and onto the promised land. Joshua's got people whose heads are in the promised land, and he's going to lead them in. Moses was, I see, uh, uh, as... He wasn't a military leader like Joshua was. Joshua was more military in the way he handled things, that command sort of uh, uh, militaristic format that you would see. He was what you would expect of a man who was going to come in and he was going to have to conquer and lead in this conquest of Canaan. Moses, 
had a couple of those moments where he, with the children of Israel, engaged in battle. But for the most part, that wasn't him. Moses' job was to hang out with a bunch of people that had to die because of their rebellion and uh, ignorance and to try to get the next generation to put their hearts not in Egypt, but in the promised land. And after you've been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, you're probably not thinking about going back to Egypt anymore. And so now their hearts are set on the promised land and they're moving in a different direction. It's a different people. It's a different time. It required a different leader. Are the same things the same as they were when you were a kid? I think this world has changed a little bit. And uh, I honestly feel like it's time for me to step aside and let the next generation do their thing. You ever feel that way, old people? And I don't mind doing that. We wouldn't have a, ca a web page if it wasn't for Carrie. You know? I mean, I've got a, a cellular phone that's not a phone at all. It's some kind of a computer, and I don't know what to do with it. It's, it's just forever and a day, a, a continual annoyance to me, you know. They told me the other day all of my text messages were full, and I couldn't get any text anymore. And I'm going, this thing can contact the moon, and it can't keep up with my text messages. All I want it to do is call and text. That's it. And it can't do that because it's too busy doing all this other stuff. Listen, I put together a Northwest moment for you guys about once a quarter, and it kills me. Asa and Amanda and uh, Michael, my goodness, they're down here putting together that redeemed little podcast, and, and they love it. And they do great with it. If you haven't listened to it, you need to tap in and see what the kids are doing. I'm a dinosaur. You know, I don't see any other dinosaurs here. It's just me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, uh, a part of what we've got to do as we look to the future, I think, is, you know, get out of the way and let these kids run. As I read through Deuteronomy, the, uh, the 34th chapter there, and I was looking at that, and you read about Moses' death, you know, you can't help but just sit back and go, if you're old, I mean, if you're young, I read that a hundred times, read through it and went on to the next page. But when you're old, you sit and you reflect because you're reflecting on your own life. And, and you look here and he said, just, it, it's just amazing. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land that I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. I think there's always a work of God that's not completed that the next generation has to carry. And it's not going to be completely completed until the Lord comes home. And if you think you're going to wrap it all up so that it's all in one little basket, whenever you leave here, you're wrong. And so at some point, what we're doing is setting the stage for the next people to come along and to be able to fulfill and carry on the Lord's will. There were some, th there were some big changes going on here for the people in this change of leadership, but there were some things that weren't changing at all. They're still trying to get into the promised land. That's still where they're headed. Moses didn't get to go. You know the story, but he gets to look at it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there on Moab. As the Lord said, he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. Now look at this. His eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. That just ain't right. 
And I'm 65. I can't see nothing. My wife is yelling at me all the time because I can't hear. And there's a reason I'm telling the kids what to do instead of chopping the wood myself, you know. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was done. And then Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders of the Lord. That he'd sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all the officials, to the whole land. No one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. Now when you're old and you read that, you do this. You're sitting in your chair and you kick back and you think. You think about an age that is ending. A time that is changing. 40 years is gone. A generation is dead in the wilderness. They're gone. All of those military aged people are gone. And a new generation is moving into the promised land. Same vision. They're moving into the promised land. And you can't help but look at your own life and you can't help but think, what is it that I have been about? What is it that is, that is something bigger than me that the next generation needs to grab onto? That the next generation needs to carry on into the promised land? Is there something, is there something that I've done that's bigger than catching the next fish or shooting the next deer? I hope so. Have I given the next generation something that's God's size? To walk in. Man, this promise went all the way back to Abraham. This ain't a new deal. This has been happening for a long time. Look at all the history that the, the children of Israel have been through to get them to this place, to this time, and this hour. God's been working with his church for 2,000 years. And you know what? We're just a part of what he's doing until he brings it home to glory. Till he parts open the skies and he sucks up his bride and brings them to be with him in glory. And we're just a part of that. We're just a church moving forward, aren't we? And the church is getting distracted a little bit today. Do you see that? You know, Joshua's biggest challenge now was going to be following God as they went into the promised land. Moses' biggest challenge was keeping their head out of Egypt. Every time something went wrong, well, we need to go back to Egypt. They were killing our kids there. We were in slave labor. But you know what? At least we had something to eat. You don't hear that grumbling with Joshua's group, do you? Even when they go up against the little town of Ai and in that battle they lose, what happens? They don't come back and say, oh, Joshua, what have you led us out here for? We need to go back to Egypt. And they didn't say we need to go back to the wilderness. Different generation. They were the one that was ready for the conquest. They got on their knees before the Lord and they said, what happened, Lord? Surely you haven't forsaken us. I have your promise. This is what you've said where I put my feet. And the word comes back, well, you didn't do it like I said. They corrected that error and they went forward. That was going to be Joshua's challenge. Can you move forward like the Lord wants you to? That's your challenge. 
your generation? Can you move forward like the Lord wants you to? And have you, have you gotten something in your faith in the kingdom of God that's worth passing on to your kids so that they'll have something to go with too? It was about the promised land since Abraham on. They knew where they were headed. They knew what was going on. And, and in that process, they're headed there even when they're in Egypt. It's a process of God saying, those people haven't come to a place yet where we can wipe them out. And so you're going to have to go to Egypt for a while. They're just working this plan, getting to that place. Is there a plan that God's working here right now in this world that your kids can be a part of, that you can be a part of, that's worthy of your life, that's bigger than you are as you push on the God's plan and purpose for your life? Yes. The gospel of Jesus Christ has not changed. The old, old story of Jesus and his love has not changed. Don't change it. Don't add to it. Don't take it away. Don't take away from them. There's nothing new to add to it. It's our job to bring it forward until our Lord comes back. And bring it forward with obedience and bring it forward with faith and bring it forward in such a way that it's accurate. Listen, Joshua, he had the word, didn't he? Just do what I say. Meditate on the law. Be strong and courageous. You know he's told that three times in there. Three times the Lord told him, be strong and courageous. Why? Because Joshua was a weak wimp? No, because the challenge required it. Let me tell you something. This is a changing world. Do you think it's, you're going to have to be strong and courageous young people? I got a feeling you're going to have to be stronger and more courageous than my generation was. I got a feeling the persecution and the assault that's going to come upon you is going to be more intense than what we had. I'm already feeling it. I'm already seeing it for you. And so maybe there's a strong and courageous word there for you to say this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God loves you. He wants you to have abundant life. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to be with him forever in heaven. you got a problem, and that problem is sin. It separates you from that heavenly father. It separates you from God. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. You can't fix that sin problem. You can't be good enough to fix it. You can't help enough old ladies across the street. You can't cut enough firewood for somebody to get you into the kingdom of heaven. You're a sinner by nature. You're a sinner by choice. That's just the way it is. An eternal destiny of hell is yours, of separation from God. And God looked down in his great love and he said, I will provide a way for you to have restored relationship with me. And he sent Jesus. Gives you chills, doesn't it? Woo! My Jesus. That's the story. Jesus came. In human flesh, the Son of God lived a perfect life, gave that life on Mount Calvary for us, covered our sins, and we know it's true because he rose again on the third day, validating everything he said, everything he taught. And the Bible says that this is the way, the only way to God. There is no other. That's the gospel. That's the truth. That's what we're passing on to you. That's the treasure that you have to hold on to. That's what you've got to give the next generation. That's what you've got to hold fast to till the end, till our Lord Jesus comes back. 
And people have to respond to that. They have to respond to that gospel with repentance. They have to respond to that gospel with faith. They have to believe. And they have to call upon the name of the Lord that they might be saved. Receiving, not doing anything, but receiving the gift that God has given them. And then they are restored because of the blood of Jesus to a right relationship with God the Father. Now, if you ain't on that wagon, you're on the wrong wagon. It was about the promised land for those folks. It's about the promised land for us too. And the closer you get to it, the more you know it is. And I want to be there. And I want you to be there. I want my kids to be there. I want my grandkids to be there. You're going to have to communicate that to your generation. And God bless you and God help you. And I'll stand behind you and do this, okay? And every dime I can afford to give you, I will give you. It changed, but it didn't change. It's changing, but it's not changing. The law was the last thing Moses gave the people again. Why? As he was leaving out the door, he said, don't forget this. This is the stuff that you need to hold your feet to the fire on. This is it, Joshua. This is what you hold your feet to the fire on all the way through. That's what this old man's doing today. This is it. This is bigger than you. This is bigger than life here. And as long as this old man lives, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on that. And you do the same with me. This is where this church is going. This is where this church has been. This world's gone crazy. And they've adulterated the gospel in so many things that are called churches. Let's continue to be assault. Let's continue to be light for a lost and dying world. And you don't need me to do that. Oh, listen, the devil, what did he do? First thing he did, Joshua was coming into the promised land. He's getting some of their own people to, to not do what the Lord's asked him to do. That's what the old devil did. And then the next thing, what happens? Here's the Gibeonites standing in front of them, tricking them. Oh, we came from a long way off. Where? Oh, down the street. No, you know the story. Listen, you got an enemy. You got an enemy. You're going to have to meditate on the word day and night. You have to be on your toes or he's going to slip in. You're going to make treaties with him. You know, I know. Because I have. And but for the grace of God and the community of faith and people that will stand beside you and look at you and say, Woo, Rick, here's the book. You're doing it wrong. You're not going to make it. You need each other. You need the church. You need the body of Christ. That Lone Ranger idea doesn't work. I look at this passage of scripture and I'm going to jump back to old people for a minute. And uh, I want to say to you old people, it ain't over till it's over. Listen to this. 
O my people, hear my teachings, listen to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things of old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders that he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel which he commanded our forefathers to teach to their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God. Those whose spirits were not faithful to him. In the midst of all of this moving forward. There has to be a remembering from the past. They had a Passover celebration so they could remember what God did. A great movement of God in bringing them forth. Joshua, when he stepped into the water, when those priests did, and that Jordan River stopped in this testimony of the Lord. Now, boy, that's so close to the parting of the Red Sea. If you couldn't see that God was going, ooh, Moses, now Joshua, we're going. Different, what did they do? Now, y'all remember that? No, he said, you pick up some rocks, big stones, and they piled them up and said, when your kids look at this, you tell them about that. You tell them about the great works of God. We got a lot of Christians and they're telling nobody in the past next generation about the great works of God, great works of God, because you're not following God enough to have any great works. You got time, you follow God. I guarantee you. You start sharing the gospel, you get on the front lines, God's going to give you a work to share with the next generation. <coughs> My wife could write a journal on the stories of how God has worked in her life that I just think are bona fide miracles. Unbelievable. You got those stories? I love it. Some of you are going, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been walking with him, right? Well, tell him to the next generation. Did you know my grandma said one time, I think she's crazy, but this is what she said. Your grandma wasn't crazy and they're going to figure it out, right? You got a story to tell. My dad had a story to tell. We were sitting there one night and we were talking about it there in the living room. And I said, Dad, you should write this stuff down. And I said, you know, I said, and, and I'll add to the book. He said, deal, we'll do it. He said, you start writing now and I'll start writing now. I didn't start writing. And I called him a while back and said, dad, you know, because he's getting really old now. He's 86. And I said, oh man, I'm losing this window. I said, dad, I'm really sorry I didn't get on that. I'm going to start writing. Will you start writing? He said, I already have been. He said, you can add your pages. Woo, I can't wait to read it. My dad can write. And I'm going to get to hear the stories of how the Lord worked in my dad's life. I'm going to add mine to them. And God help the next generation if they don't take time to read them, right? Pass it on. Pass it on to the next generation. Young people, seize the day. You think you got all the time in the world? Let me tell you something that time and age has taught me. Your window of opportunity is shorter than you think. And old people, you're just really short. <laughs> But your window of opportunity is shorter than you think. You need to seize the day. 
put into your children the great truths of God. You know, as I was looking at this this week and thinking about the differences in generations, I was going to share this, and I scratched it out, and I thought I'll share it again, I scratched it out. I'm going to share it, okay? I think maybe you'll like it. This just shows you the difference in the time and age that we grow up in. Grow up in. You know, when I was in seminary, I, I wrote my... I wrote my papers on an electric typewriter. And that was cool because that was better than the manual that I had in high school. Because you could go so fast on a manual typewriter that those arms would, you could type faster than it could work and they'd stick. And so then you'd have to, you, anybody remember that? Fun, right? So you're pacing yourself as you type it. And, you know, they knew they had this problem. And so what they did is they took some of the letters you used the most and put them under your little fingers so that hopefully it would slow you down. Literally, they did this. It's true. They did. Because it, everybody was, you know, eye-hand coordination was too fast. You messed up on a paper. You did this. You opened this little bottle and you went. <laughs> Click. You remember that? It was a major feat to write a paper. These kids don't even have any understanding of that. Oh, that sentence is wrong. That's what Google told me. Let me finish that, fix that one. They don't even have to know grammar anymore. It's a totally different world than where we were. Get it. Seize the day. Jump into it. Do something with it. But don't mess it up. Seven things that you need to know. Here, here's, I read this from a, a company this week that was concerned about our mental health. Seven signs that it's time to put your phone down and walk away. And it doesn't say you can't work it and you get angry and throw it against the wall. That's not one of them, okay? Tell yourself before you begin all this, the internet will still be there when you get back, most likely. It says time spent online, it can give you negative mental health. Here you go. Here's some signs that you might be on the phone too much. Let's see if you like these, Carrie. You feel your blood pressure rising. <laughs> I love this. This, is, this one is listed first because it could really apply to pretty much every other tip listed below, it says. Whether it's... Uh, reading the news or scrolling through social media, it's time to put down the phone as soon as you feel your blood pressure rising. Why? Because another one that they have listed here is that they are putting forth stuff just to upset you and shock you so that you'll continue to watch. Kind of like the go watch the gladiators and people die or car races so they hope somebody wrecks or... You watch the beekeeper hoping he'll get stung a thousand times, right? I mean, that's what we do. And so it has a tendency to do this. I love this one. You look up and realize that two hours have passed. Have you ever done that? You're ready to cuss somebody out online. And all you're doing now is contributing to the problem of more shock stuff, right? You've written a strongly worded email about somebody or your boss at work, okay? That's just stupid, okay? Uh, you get hung up in these rabbit holes. Again, it's that inflammatory, shocking content that they're trying to give, and you just get caught up in that and go round and round. Um, I love the idea of just running down. Yeah, anyway, you, you get it. 
How about this one? This is one I know I've been there too long. Your neck, your back, and your head hurts. <laughs> do you do this? Young people, you don't. I work on the computer like this, right? And write my sermons, and I'm, I'm doing this, okay? I wear bifocals. So to see the stupid screen, what do you have to do? <clears throat> this is what I'm doing the whole time. And I get up and go, I don't know what's wrong, babe. My neck hurts, you know? So then I lower the thing. I got it down lower. I thought, well, that'll fix. I'll get it in my bifocals. And then I get up and go, oh, there's something wrong with my back, you know, because I'm all bent over, you know? Small bites, you know? Your back, your head, and your neck hurts. You're feeling emotions like jealousy, anger, sadness, all that. You're, don't you have enough of that in your life without creating it? Why do we go to some place to create all that? I thought that was pretty good advice, you know. I mean, our, our biggest thing was, you know, in school, don't chew gum. Look at, the, look at what y'all are facing now. But look at the opportunities that you have to embrace this in such a way to be an impact on your world. Don't let it eat you up. Use it. Do something powerful with it. Do it on a personal basis, but also join with those in this place who are trying to make it happen here as well. And I believe God can do something with you in this next generation in the right way with that, what's out there. That is your world. That's your window of opportunity. So what has changed? The leadership changed. Oh, there were a lot of other things that were changing too in that leadership right down to their diet. Isn't that amazing that the minute they walked into the, the promised land, the manna stopped? You know, it's been said that the single most deadly words to a church are these seven words. We never did it that way before. Be careful with that, old people, and be careful with that, young people, because you already have a history, too. We never did it that way before. Manna was a great thing. Lord, it was a miracle from the Lord that he gave to a whining, grumbling, crying people. Be something beside that and see how God can, besides that, see how God can bless you. We talked about it last week. He is able to bless, isn't he? He, you got to come to him believing he exists and believe that he is able to bless those who earnestly seek him. Be those. Be those. And let him bless your socks off in a new way. Last verse. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, he is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Mark them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. I would be amiss in this sermon if I did not end with this passage of Scripture. And I didn't use the Matthew, the Mark, the New Testament version of this. I went all the way back to Deuteronomy 6 and pulled that passage for a specific reason. This ain't a new thing. This has been the people of God since the beginning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you ain't about that, you missing it. That's who we are as the people of God. 
And if that's not major, if that's not primary, if that's not forefront in your thinking, then you need to change your thinking. The love of God is manifest to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have experienced the love of God. Now it is our response to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind. It's not that hard. That's who we are. That's what we are. That's the faith that we hold on to till the very end. No matter what changes about us, we are a church if we follow after the Lord in that progression. That's it. Don't make it hard. But it's bigger than you are. And he along the way will do immeasurably more than you can even imagine. I got a big imagination. I'm excited to see what's happening next. See what happens when you read the scripture and you're old? You see it differently. Lord, I thank you that you really have given us a love relationship that is astounding. And Lord, that we are involved in a gospel that can redeem the world. And that we do have a God that is coming again in a promised land that we're going to. We have a mission. We have a calling. We have a purpose. We have a place. And this time that we live in, this age and day that we live in, Lord, as each generation, as all of us, Lord, try to seek your face and find how to communicate this to our world, make us courageous and bold and open doors for us. That your kingdom come, your will might be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Love you, Lord. Love you so much. Thank you for grace and mercy and patience with us. And for giving us so much in Jesus Christ. Amen.